From the Ohio School Boards Association, I'm Scott Kerfin. This is Leading the Way, brought to you by Sedgwick. Happy New Year! 2023 is just about here, and I thought there's no better time than now to invite our legislative team back to the podcast. Jennifer Hogue, OSBA's Director of Legislative Services, and lobbyist Nicole Piscitani, they're here to talk about what's ahead for public education in 2023, and also to take a look back. Uh, I know the lame duck session provided many sleepless nights for you both. Hopefully you're well rested. We're getting there. (laughs) (laughs) More days. (laughs) I wanted to start with the lame duck session that wrapped up earlier this month. Always a busy time. Senate Bill 178 would have brought a dramatic change at the state level to who oversees K-12 schools. It did not pass. Uh, Jennifer, tell me more about what that bill would have done and why did it ultimately fail? A great question. So let's start with what the bill would have done. Um, Senate Bill 178 um, is the newest attempt. It's not something new. There's been um, movements and pushes over the years to have more control over education in the governor's office. This is the latest iteration of that. But Senate Bill 178 would have created a cabinet level agency um, and the Department of Education and Workforce, which would become the new ODE. Um, And that head of that agency would be appointed by the governor. Also appointed by the governor would be two deputy directors in that agency, one over a division of K-12 education that would include preschool, and then another deputy over what they would call the um, workforce and career division. And so um, those two deputy directors would then also have a seat on the governor's workforce transformation board. The State Board of Education would still exist in its current form with 11 appointed by the or eight appointed by the governor, I'm sorry, and 11 that are elected, um, but their powers would be greatly reduced. So they would no longer do any of the setting of standards um, or model curriculum. They would not be creating any of the rules that come about when legislation is passed by the General Assembly. All of those duties would live with the new Department of Education and Workforce under the governor's office. What the State Board of Education would continue to do is to appoint a superintendent of public instruction. That is their their, um, duty under the Constitution. The Constitution says that there shall be a state board, they shall appoint a superintendent, and then all of their other duties and powers come from the legislature. So the legislature would be making a change there and leaving them just with appointing that superintendent of public instruction and then also um, teacher licensure. They would still be responsible for that. Licensure revocations and disciplinary action under the Office of Professional Conduct would still live with the state board, as well as looking at territory transfers when um, property shifts from one district to another. those would be their only remaining duties under the new bill. So this was discussed uh, right up until uh, the end of that lame duck session. Uh, Why did it ultimately fail? That's a great question. And I think we're still trying to unpack that and try to understand where everyone is. I think it was a combination of things. I think that um, there was, you know, concern that it was going through so quickly in the house and that they needed more time to really understand it and study the issue and make sure that they were making good decisions and that the house was able to sort of leave their mark or make their stamp. So that's one school of thought. Um, Another group of people really expressed concern because they um, really are supportive of the homeschool community in the state and all of the ability to homeschool and what that process looks like and what they need to do comes mostly from rules at the Department of Education. 
education. And so there was concern amongst the homeschool families about having that placed into um, a new agency that hasn't worked with that before. And would they lose some of those rights and abilities? And so I think there were some members that were um, understanding of that concern and shared that concern as well. And then there are others that thought um, much in the same vein as what we testified in both chambers to, that it really takes away a lot of the transparency and public voice that exists with the State Board of Education, allowing folks to watch the discussions as they begin in committees, um, having the ability to contact their elected state board member and have um, their thoughts and concerns heard and understood by an elected representative. And then also being able to come and testify when those rules come through the state board meetings and testify um, to those rules before they even get filed. Um, being able to make change and have a voice in the creation process rather than just after the rule has been created and put out for public comment. So I, I would assume that, are we going to see this in the next GA? Absolutely. Um, President Huffman has been very clear that he is supportive of this bill. And so I fully expect it to be introduced again. Um, President-elect Marin has also said, you know, that he may have supported it had there been more time to study it and look at it. So I think this is when we definitely need to continue to talk about the importance of having that state board and having a fully elected state board, um, giving people more of a voice and a role in the creation of education policy in the state. And you were talking about uh, this, the new incoming speaker, uh, Derek Marin, correct? Mm -hmm. Yes. Uh, Nicole, uh, what are some of the other things that uh, did pass uh, for K-12 schools? Great. So one of the biggest bills where we saw a lot of positive education-related provisions was House Bill 45. It was a bill that dealt with um, allowing the state to implement a two-month tax amnesty program at some point in uh, 2023, but it picked up a whole host of other education-related items, one of those being um, allowing the allocation of $1.7 billion of ESSER funding for, for schools. Um, that's funding that had been given uh, uh, by the federal government, uh, but needs the legislature to allocate that money to ODE so that they can reimburse schools for expenses. Additionally, we saw a uh, increase in how disadvantaged people impact aid, um, that percentage. Um, currently, it was at 14% for 2023. They are raising that up to 33%. Um, and then as it pertains to transportation, they also increased the weights uh, to 1.5 for community and STEM schools and 2.0 for non-public schools. In addition, we also saw some um, policy changes. Uh, we had been advocating heavily for uh, the raffle language to be fixed back in House Bill 110. Uh, there was a uh, uh, technical error that was written into the bill that removed public schools from allowing to conduct a uh, raffle and um, that correction was fixed in House Bill 45. So schools um, after, if the bill is signed, will uh, allow be allowed to conduct raffles after uh, that 90 day uh, waiting period. And then additionally, we saw a great improvement as it pertains to storm shelters. And so in the past, um, the legislature had implemented storm shelter moratoriums. These are the building standards uh, rules that 
uh, schools would have to adhere to when they are building or improving or updating their buildings and they would have to uh, build storm shelters. What the legislature did in House Bill 45 is they actually um, got rid of those provisions. And so it completely removes um, the requirement that schools need to build storm shelters when uh, they are uh, doing those, either building a building or renovating or updating their buildings. In addition to House Bill 45, uh, there was also House Bill 554. It was a bill that dealt with allowing uh, teachers who were retired to come back um, and uh, regain a temporary license so that they could go back into the classroom. That bill also picked up a whole host of um, education-related um, items, uh, some of those being uh, Senate Bill 356, which changes the definition for developmentally delayed. It raises the age from uh, from three to five, from three to nine. So allows school districts a lot more time to be able to uh, evaluate children and then um, have them fall with under developmentally delayed. And then in addition, there was also a provision about military families. So if there's a student who is uh, currently taking a CCP class and um, the family, the military family has to move, it allows that student to either complete that CCP class from another state or they can unenroll without having any sort of uh, penalty like financially or, or academically. We also saw um, Senate Bill 33 uh, passed. This was a bill that dealt with expanding options as it pertained to 529 plans. Um, however, the legislature amended in House Bill 123. This was the bill uh, that addressed community reinve reinvestment um, areas. And so, you know, back in 1994, there was rules that were implemented that required school districts to um, agree to any sort of tax abatement that was over 50%. This bill uh, moves that threshold up to 75%, but they also uh, changed the thresholds for the sharing of income uh, taxes. And, you know, currently right now it's 1 million. That's been increased now to 2 million, but also uh, locks in that number to inflation. So that number will increase as inflation increases every year. Um, and then in addition to uh, Senate Bill 33 passing, uh, um, House Bill 458 also passed, and this was the bill that removes the August special election. Um, it would allow districts, however, if they're under um, fiscal emergency, uh, to be able to conduct an election in August. Um, however, that bill also uh, did pick up quite a few other voting-related uh, changes, and so I know those provisions are being looked at by the governor right now. And with all of these bills, um, the governor would need to uh, sign them. So, uh, Jennifer, it sounds like, uh, you know, we got some so-called, I guess you want to say, quote unquote, wins in this lame duck session. Yes, it was a Merry Christmas in quite a few areas, <laughs> a couple areas that we could have you know, stood to do without, but um, overall, I think it was pretty successful and we'll continue working on those um, couple of finance things, House Bill 123 with the community reinvestment areas, and then also um, the August election, trying to get some, you know, more changes there to make it more workable for schools. So uh, beginning here in January, a new General Assembly, and there will be new faces. Uh, there will be. Right. I'm sure it is very important for our members to get to know uh, these new legislators. Absolutely. 
So um, these legislators are coming to the House, many uh, and Senate, many for the first time ever. We don't have a lot of returning legislators coming back out there brand new faces to Capitol Square. So they're gonna be navigating the buildings and the processes and the procedures and trying to get up to speed, heading into a budget. And so it's gonna be really important um, that they know you, that they know district officials and board members and the communities and your schools um, as they head into that, because they're gonna be making policy decisions that are gonna impact you for the next couple of years in the budget. And so making sure that they are familiar with you and with your district and your needs and wants heading into the budget is imperative because they're gonna to be just inundated with all kinds of things. And so you want to make sure that you're at their forefront of their thinking when they're going through these budget deliberations and those processes. And I would assume uh, some of those who have been newly elected do have some education background as well, right? They do. Not as many as we would like to see. My ultimate dream in life is to have a legislature <laughs> made up completely of former school board members. Um, but we do have a couple of former educators and school board members joining the fray. Um, but even then, you know, they come from a district and, um, and right. probably aren't familiar with all of them. So it's important um, to have those connections. And we saw that play out, especially during lame duck with 178. Um, there were times that members were kind of on the fence on what they were going to do and to be able to have a board member or superintendent or treasurer or citizen call them and say, hey, this is how it's going to impact our district makes a difference in the end. Nicole, I wanted to touch base with you uh, in regard to what she's talking about in terms of, uh, you know, getting a hold of legislators, getting to know legislators. Talk about OSBA's legislative liaison. Each district has that and the importance of those liaisons in this whole process. Sure. So we ask every single district to select somebody to serve in that legislative liaison role. Um, OSBA uh, supports them by providing them a lot of information and resources to help them be successful um, in communicating uh, to uh, their legislators. But it's really important um, that they reach out, get to know that legislator long before they're even um, starting to talk to them about issues. It's good that the legislator can learn about uh, the individual district, you know, what are, what are the successes, what are the challenges, you know, where do they need um, help? It's really important to get to them first before they're dealing with, uh, you know, a bill that, you know, would potentially impact them in a negative way. Um, Additionally, we do ask them to also be that community voice, not only with the other school board members, letting them know what's happening at the state house, but also with the community too. So we do ask them to communicate at least once a month on what's going on at the state house. And that's to benefit, you know, those who are listening to the school board meetings, you know, so that they also know what's going on at the state house and how potential bills are going to be impacting them. Finally, uh, Jennifer, uh, with this new general assembly, what are what are some things our members need to be uh, on the lookout for? What do you expect to see in terms of legislation uh, in this new year? Yeah, so I'm expecting um, some good things. I am hopeful that we will see the Fair School Funding Plan um, fully implemented, and if not fully implemented, at least phased in. The funding is there to do that. So I'm hopeful that the General Assembly will have the will to do that. I think it's important for our members to be talking um, with their legislators about the want and desire for that to occur. Um, a couple of things are looming that scare me. I think that the restructuring of the Department of Education will be back. Um, I don't know if that surfaces as an individual bill or in 
in the budget. Um, but again, I don't think that that is great for education in the state. Um, and it scares me greatly that we will see that again. And then I also fully expect to see the backpack bill, the universal voucher bill, which was House Bill 290 in this last General Assembly um, reintroduced in some form. And I think the Senate will have that as one of their priorities in the budget. Yeah, and that budget uh, is expected when? Um, I believe the governor has until the middle of February um, to release that. So very soon. <laughs> well, Jennifer, <laughs> Jennifer, Nicole, uh, I really appreciate you guys coming on the podcast and uh, happy new year to you both. And uh, I know uh, you guys work very hard for our members in terms of uh, just being down there at the state house and, you know, getting a lot of this stuff done. So appreciate what you both do. Thanks. Thank you. January is a great time to celebrate your district's hardworking school board members and educate the public about the important role that a school board plays in our communities and schools. Although showing appreciation should be a year-round process, take advantage of the designated School Board Recognition Month in January, ensuring that these important people receive some of the thanks they deserve. Learn more and get resources at ohioschoolboards.org.